Good morning to all of you. You know, as I was sitting here listening and participating in worship, I just thought of the exhortation so often of the Apostle Paul. When as he would begin the writing of his letters, he would just simply write, Grace and peace to you. And sometimes he would even say, Grace and peace to you be multiplied. Grace, that divine work of of God upon the human heart that comes into the life and into the soul. Peace, it's that inner sense within us that no one can take away. No matter what happens, it doesn't matter what happens, grace and peace. Outward, God moves toward us. He gives us peace and tremendous things happen. We are in the book of Galatians. For those of you that are joining us this morning, we teach through the book, chapter by chapter, theme by theme. We don't always spend quite as much time on every single verse, uh, but we are trying to, we want to give you God's heart as he speaks to we pastors as we're taking this time. And we believe that as the Holy Spirit comes to us this morning again, uh, one of my prayers always is, God, I just want our people to hear your heart. Because the heartbeat of God is an amazing thing. God's heart, just the pulse of God, if we could see how God really cares and how God really loves us and how much God is rooting for us. I love to think of it like this. There is no one that roots for the church of Jesus like the Lord himself. No one. There is no one that cares more that the church of Jesus crosses the finish line of winner than the Lord himself. He is our number one cheerleader in every way. Every way, completely. So this morning, we're going to be looking at a theme as in Galatians chapter 3, and it's going to be belief triumphs over flesh. And as we look at this, we're going to stop a little while and look at flesh. But faith, which is belief, over flesh. Paul was writing to a group of people he did, he, the Holy Spirit had not given up on. They had heard from the Lord. They had responded to His Word. He had impacted them greatly. But then he comes to a place that he does challenge them. I love to think of it like this. If the Word of God doesn't both encourage me and challenge me, it's not yet where God wants it in my heart. You know, one time I heard, I heard a little saying that preaching is for to encourage those that are uncomfortable, you can be comfortable. But also to encourage those that are comfortable that maybe you need to be a little bit uncomfortable. There's something there that we just need both sides. The, the, the equation goes like this. And as Paul enters this this morning, look how he enters verse Chapter 3, verse 1, we'll be going down through about 10 verses here. You foolish Galatians. You go, that's not the way to enter a chapter. As you look at that, come on, you don't just start like this. But this is how Paul did it. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. And that word bewitched is interesting. Sometimes when I look at words and get studying the Word of God, I get a, a comparison that comes in a character. The word bewitched to me, because I lived in the Pacific Northwest for 25 years, when you drive at night, 
you've got to be careful because there will be deer out there and they'll come out and if you're not careful, they'll run right in front of you. You know one of the reasons? We hear the term a deer in the the headlights and those deer will look at you and they'll just stop and they'll freeze and their eyes will forget where they're at and they're looking at the lights coming. And I believe as Paul was writing about being bewitched, it was like, you guys froze in the headlights. What happened? That all of a sudden, here came the light and you froze. And notice how what he says, who has bewitched you, whose eyes Jesus Christ was portrayed as crucified. You had Jesus up there. You saw him clearly. You know, just this last yesterday afternoon, I was talking with my mother and she told me again about a church I used to minister in that's locked in conflict. They're stopping seeing Jesus. You can close your eyes and realize that when conflict comes, you forgot who Jesus is. You're lost in who's right. You're lost in how I can get my agenda furthered. You lose everything. You miss Jesus. And I believe regardless of what was happening here, and we have seen as we've studied this together different ways that they had been taken off of track as a church. But when Paul says, who has bewitched you? I think of, the word is maligned in definition. The word is fascinated. How did your eyes get so fascinated that they got off of Jesus? Another word we find is slander within the context of the definition of bewitched. And charm, just like charmed you. I think of Eve in the, in the garden and how the serpent came to her and just charmed her. And I believe there's a spiritual charming possibly that Paul is addressing here. And I look at the area feigned praise, flattery, Who got you caught in the headlights, Galatia? How did it happen? And I would guess most of us here could confess there has been times in our lives that we just got caught. I have heard the testimonies, and I've had it myself, where you didn't even realize it, and you just got stopped. Someone probably could have called me out during that time and said, John, you're not really where God wants you to be, and I wouldn't have really realized that. There's a place that you're caught in the headlights. It's just got you. And this is what had happened to Galatia. Maybe today someone here has just frozen in the headlights. We forgot why we were here, what God called us for, what his heart was, what the very passion of his heart was to us and to others. This, verse 2, the only thing I want to find out from you, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing of faith and Paul is saying how did you really get the spirit of God and it almost seems like a foolish question you got to be kidding why is he asking that it's never the works of the law but what Paul is suggesting is we drift back to the law subtly it has a way of of locking people in the headlights all of us How does it happen? Well, I think uh, there's just so many. I jotted down some areas here. One area is just experience. You know, I've had a lot of experience in my life, and sure have you. 
But if I rest in that experience very long, I can be like the deer caught in the headlights. Nothing wrong with it. It's okay. Another area I think about is just education. Many of you have had tremendous education. Uh, most of my education was furthered, continued classes, CEUs, uh, things for the business I was into uh, after I got out of high school. But all of a sudden, we, became, we become subtly locked in the headlights. We're replacing the spirit for flesh. It's a subtle thing. The way we begin to reason more uh, experience, I've got the experience, got the education. Another one I wrote down here is it's just that pride. It's just that crazy spiritual pride that creeps into the human heart. You know, it's that part of me that wells up and says, I am living in the right world with the right theology, and I've got it all figured out. And all of a sudden, I'm bewitched. I'm frozen. Without realizing that the church of Galatia was like, froze. One time, Deb and I was gone, and three deer ran across the road in front of us, just at the border of Oregon, Washington, going home from a church I'd spoke at that day. And here they were. Zoom! I didn't have time, and really... And so what I had to do, I had to pick out the one deer I would hit. That's all I could do. I had to choose the lesser of the two evils. And I had a little Subaru car, and we smacked him good, but by God's grace, we walked. And that's the only time I heard a deer. But this bewitching is just subtle. It creeps into the human heart, and Paul was addressing it here. And there's just another one that happens to us all, and that is, you know, God, I just want to follow my heart. Uh, you know, my heart. But, but I want to gently enter into what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 17, verses 9 through 10 about this when we hear in my, with me, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. you got to be kidding. That's what he says. He says, who can understand the heart? And then God says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. Verse 3, are you so foolish? Oh, Galatia, here comes foolish again. I, I notice this with Paul. We live in a time we want to say good words so everyone feels good, and they walk out of church or the meeting feeling good. That's not what Paul did. He spoke what God told him to speak. And here he uses the word again, foolish. He says, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, you started with Jesus. Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being perfected or bettered or improved by your flesh or by your fleshly efforts? Oh, beginning in the Spirit, what a blessing. How many of you can remember one of, that, one of the first breaths of God upon you and the Holy Spirit? I can remember going back into the sanctuary in my parents' home church, and I would hear songs like Amazing Grace or how something would come, and it would just speak to me. I needed that so bad. And it wasn't about what the guy down the bench needed. It was me. And Paul says, you began with that freshness, 
that life, that joy, that peace. You began running for Jesus. And it was a joy to be a Christian. I wasn't ashamed of it. I was this guy who said, you know what? The enemy had me so bad back out there in the streets. I will never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. I will stand for him no matter what. I will be a nut for Jesus Christ if that's what it takes. You've begun in the Spirit. They discovered the greatness of God. They ate at the table of the Lord. They partook of his goodness. And we have too. They've enjoyed the freshness. They've enjoyed the, the richness of Jesus. Oh, I think of David, King David, what a man after God's own heart. And if you look into David's life, one of the things that made him so special is his heart never left seeking God. It didn't matter what happened. His heart locked on God. Here's a verse for you. Psalm 41, verses 1 through 2. As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. Can you see him as a shepherd boy watching the sheep? My thirst, soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Maybe Paul's saying, uh, when did the thirst leave you? When did the hunger for God leave your heart? When did that deep inner passion that the joy of the Lord was so great leave? And I believe this is true in Galatia. And Paul was addressing it. You know, in many ways, we think about it. I'll just give you a real simple illustration. Probably you men can get this better than women. But I've got a real hard time with directions, to be frank. You know what? We buy the item, and the directions are right there. But so often, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to assemble the item before I read the directions. Any other takers in that one? Okay. I hear some of you sisters out there going, yeah, I got it too. <laughs> one of the reasons is you probably say, I see my husband going doing that. I can't believe it. Because Debbie's so good to me this way. She'll say, why don't you just read the directions? And I'll say, the, the picture is right there. All you got to do is do it. It's so simple. There's only like four points. And I get the wrong bolt in or the wrong nut. And this is the flesh. We men, flesh serves us well. We women, flesh serves us well in many ways. And we begin, like Paul says, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now made being perfected by the flesh? You started with Jesus, but something happened. Has God ever just hit you that the tenderness toward God was gone? He's hit me a lot of times. He's, he's, he's propelled me into fasting. He's taken me and shaken me up. You lost your tender heart. I believe it was, it's Oswald Chambers who is so famous for devotion that says, what does it really mean if you can have lob cold hard facts at people? but you lose the tender heart and love of God in your heart. Maybe this is what had happened at Galatia. It, maybe. I don't know. God knows everything. But I believe what he's really saying is, can we in the, in the flesh ever add to God's work? We say, God, just let me be your co-pilot. Some of you here are involved in some level of aeronautics and, 
and I was involved in that. Never, never flew those things. I owned a, a helicopter, but uh, never flew those guys. I realized that would probably be a mistake, frankly. I just, that's just confessing. I had too many thing, crazy things in my head. But you start, but you partner with God. God, you can be my partner in this program. And God, God's over here saying, I just want to do it through you. I don't ask you to do anything, but just let me live through you. And this is what Paul is writing to us as he speaks about becoming perfect in the flesh, I believe. You ever just notice what it's like when you go over a hill, and it, we haven't had a lot of rain here lately, and all of a sudden you drop down in a valley maybe you haven't seen for years or you're seeing it the first time, and you stop and you look at beauty and you go, this is amazing. Arizona, a lot of people don't realize how beautiful Arizona is on those special times when it just shouts praise to God. And it's like that every place I've ever lived or taught or worked. God has a way of doing it perfectly. And it's the same in the Spirit. When we let Him work in the Spirit, God does it completely, thoroughly, perfectly, in every way, completely. But He just wants us to let Him do it. And here He says, Did you suffer so many things in vain? Oh, they enjoyed the Lord in verse 4. If indeed it was in vain, so then... Does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faithful way? This is foolish, God. Why are you asking? Paul, why are you asking me these questions? You've asked me six tough questions. And he's saying, because this is how foolish it gets to walk away from Jesus. You remember Mephibosheth, the crippled boy, the son of Saul? David became king, and he wanted to know, is there anyone that he could ever find in the house of Saul that he could bless? I love the heart of David that way. He would even bless his enemies. And someone says, well, there's just one guy we know of. He's a cripple. His name is Mephibosheth. And I, sometimes with the children, I call him Phib. His name is Mephibosheth. And David says, bring him. Just bring Mephibosheth in. And here comes Mephibosheth. He comes. He sits at the table, looks at David, and David says, Mephibosheth, this is your table from now on. You're going to eat my food here. you got to sleep in my house. And the rest of your life, Mephibosheth, you get to live here at this table. You ever think about what that would have been like to sit at the table of the king, and everything is perfectly adorned at every single meal, and then you turn, and here comes Fib. Clop, plump, plump, plop limp hobble and he sits at the table and he eats king's food completely the very best that could ever be served in israel what if fib just said forget it i'd rather if there was mcdonald's here i'd go to mcdonald's burger king i'll take that forget the table of the king i wonder if this is possible what paul was driving at you're at the table of the king and you've chosen something so much less than the king's food. You have, you have chosen something that doesn't even compare to what God will give you. And he's calling this church into this. One of the first times I went into the country of Haiti, 
and I was a speaker for the week in Port-au-Prince, and I did something that was really, really tough that week. I had to go back and go to the places that one of my best friends had ministered for many years, named Pat, who had died in a tragic accident, and go to their churches and pray with their people. And Pat was just this amazing man of God whose heart was sold out for Jesus. He had everything that a person would want, a wonderful family, a wonderful life. His dad owned this business. But I walked those streets with Pat and said, what a waste where Pat was. Until some Haitian man come up with tears flooding down his cheeks. I just kept looking, wow, what a deal. But Paul, I looked and thought, what happened to Pat? He was working with a young Haitian guy all day with a gator, a John Deere gator, their four-wheeler kind of a work model. And they were pulling rocks out of, a, out of a bottom dredge and going up to the top to build this place for their church and putting a foundation. And all day long, this guy just kept asking Pat, is there any way I can drive the gator? I just want to drive. Could I drive the gator? And Pat says, no, you can't drive the gator. The last, the last leg of the day and the last leg of Pat's life, he let him drive the gator and the young man had never touched nothing like that. He went over the cliff and died. And Pat did too. He left a dear wife, Cheryl, and children. And I would go there and think, what? Until I looked into lives. And I says, Pat, why did you make that judgment? But then I looked at something that is also true. And maybe this is where you're at today. And I am too. And it was this, that out of that, Pat out of that people were just blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed it was amazing but paul just simply asked all these questions if you began in the flesh and and i think of the flesh in 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 different ways uh, it is that outward part of our physical being maybe our giftings outwardly our natural abilities our our um, mental ability Maybe we can run fast, maybe we're strong, maybe we have the connections. It just keeps on going. But uh, there's another part of flesh too, and that is that flesh loves praise and flesh loves glory. Every good salesman in the, in the flesh learns how to stroke the, the ego of, a, of, a, of the flesh. You know what they used to do with me? They come in and just ask me about my kids and the churches because they thought if they can get through to me through the churches and the kids, they'll get the sale. But Paul here is just simply saying there's no comparison. Galatia, there's absolutely no comparison. Beginning in the spirit, then walking in the flesh, there's no comparison. Flesh loves to be pampered. Flesh loves to be pitied flesh loves to be recognized and Paul was calling this out to this church and in Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 23 20 and 24 I'm going to give you something the Lord said to those possibly who were boasting in some level of flesh let not the wise man boast of his wisdom and let not the mighty man boast in his might let not a rich man boast in his riches but let him who boast, boast 
in this. That he understands and knows me, that I'm the Lord. It's like, I'm going to give you the highest level of boasting, says, says this dear prophet, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for I delight in those things, says the Lord. You know, after I left Haiti, I went home and got with Cheryl a few times. They lived in Ohio, but Pat and I, some way God just had put Pat and I together. And yet I, I realized something. I want to read something to you here as we keep going in a couple other verses and in the message today. When it says in verse 6, as Paul asks six questions, then he comes back with the beautiful answer. And so Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. The scripture foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. So then who are though, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. I want you to look at those three words in front of you up in the screen, wherever you are because it is the essence through which you conquer all levels of flesh to overcome you. Abraham believed God. Abraham believed him. Abraham took him at his word. And what God said, he knew that he was able to perform. And when God said in Genesis 15 that Abraham, I'm going to multiply your seed even though it is impossible. Abraham just locked in God and believed, and God called him righteous. God blessed Abraham. Notice something else you see in the passage I just read is that all the nations would be blessed because of the belief of Abraham. You see, when we believe in the Lord and, and the Spirit triumphs over flesh, it isn't just about us anymore. It's about many people who are blessed because one man or one woman believed. I look out in this crowd and I see some of you who are living epistles of that. You don't even know some of the places I've heard testimonies about you. And I don't even know some of you that long. One person believes, many, many are blessed. You know the rest of the story of Pat's life and passing? Was he said goodbye to a very, very nice job one day? a family business that ran a beautiful nursery in, in central Ohio. And Pat said goodbye because he loved these poor people in Haiti. And his wife's heart joined him, and they went to Haiti. And there it was. He died for them. But Pat's life and his choice was never in vain. You see, Pat chose to die so that so, someone else could live. When God calls you out, he doesn't call you out to live. It's one of the great conflicts of the human heart. He calls us to surrender. He calls us to walk with him and go where he asks us to go without questioning, just like Abraham. And because Abraham believed, many, many were blessed. What would have been like if you would have saw Abraham walking out of the village 
and saying, Abraham, Abraham, you've never had children. And Abraham just simply said, I believe. Or what would it be like if you would have saw Abraham leave everything at Ur, walk away, give it up, and you caught, caught him on the road out of Ur where all of his family had lived, and they were very wealthy, I believe, steeped in idolatry. And you said, Abraham, what's your vision? And Abraham says, I simply believe God. Abraham believed God. A beautiful verse, John 5 and 24, one of my dear brothers shared with me last week. Truly I say to you, he who hears my word, that's where belief starts, and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed from death into life. And here Jesus is simply saying, you hear and what God speaks, you believe. And you do what he says. And yes, that's salvation. That's a beautiful passage of salvation. But I believe that's also a beautiful passage on sanctification. To walk with Jesus. You hear his word. You believe. You follow him where he tells you to go. A couple weeks ago, maybe it was last week, Debbie and I had this weird trip up to Sholo. Home Depot because I'd bought a trailer that I never got the registration for. And one morning I got up and said, I'm going to get that. Gonna, Eric's going to buy it from me and I'm going to get that registration. They said, you've got to come to show and look us right in the eyes. Walk up to the service desk. So I went right there. Had the whole trip planned until I turned on 260 off of from Payson and here's a sign saying rode out for three hours. Big accident ahead. And I looked and people were just turning around and I looked and here was a head was just a pile of cars. And I thought, I want to get there. So I had my GPS and I just pushed it to Sholo. And it went a little bit and it said, turn left. And I looked at the left and it was no paved road. And it was forest. And it was just about three miles on the, on the west side of Heber. And I said, Deb, are you in for this? And she's usually in for it. Matter of fact, we kind of liked our car after that. I'm Just a confession, I'm kind of a four-wheeler guy. And we took off. And all of a sudden I looked and there was nothing about that road that gave me any sense that it knew where we were going. Not Nothing. Didn't see one person but one red car. And a guy pulled along the side of the road and he's standing up there like this, just walk, looking up like this, trying to figure out where he is too. But it just kept saying, you're on the right road, just keep going. And I just kept hearing that. You're on the right road, keep going. And 16.5 miles later, our little Toyota RAV popped over the top of the hill and landed back on the 260. And we went on the Heber Shiloh. You know, the, the message of the Word of God is from cover to cover. You are on the right road and Jesus keep going. Don't ever turn away. He shouts to you. He whispers to you. He speaks through His Word. You're on the right road in Jesus. You can turn around and try the flesh way. You can take a diversion that looks better. 
But the path of the Lord is a, is a path that is so foundational and so full of grace and truth and peace. And so we just kept going. And I, I think, you know, that uh, even Debbie kind of enjoyed the ride. She never really confessed it that way, but I think she kind of did, really, in the end. <laughs> kind of that way. You know, as he wrapped this up, he speaks about how all nations of the world we've led, but Abraham believed God. You know, I have a key here at the church that opens every single door, I think. Maybe one I found out just a couple days ago. It doesn't open. And that's Pastor Joshua's, I think. I just got over there, Joshua, to see how you looked inside. You weren't there. And it didn't open. All the rest of it opens. I believe what the Word of God is saying when Abraham believed God is it is the key that opens every door that God wants you to go at. No guarantee. He'll you know what I love about God? He'll close the door he don't want you to go in. He'll open doors he wants you to go in. But when you believe in God by faith, like Abram, and you say, I can't explain it, I don't understand it completely, but I'm going to believe it, the doors will open. I love this verse in Phil that, that John wrote to the Philadelphian church and to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, he who is holy, he who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut and who shuts and no one will open because one person believes in God you see this is what the word of God speaks of about salvation the security in salvation is no man is strong enough to beat that that little that lock in your heart out but what he asks us is to believe in him you know what's amazing is, as we look at the story of the gospel is the great story of the gospel is not us believing in Jesus, but that Jesus really believed in us first. Do you ever think about that? He saw everything. He saw our hearts. He saw our wanderings. He saw the things we would actually do, the places we would go, the thoughts we would think, the ways we would blow it, and he believed in us. Jesus believe God. God said, I will make you a great generation, but you need to go and you need to believe. And Jesus believed and he went. And because of that, millions and millions have been drawn to the power and the love of Jesus Christ. And you know, I, I, it sounds so simple. And I have no intention of making it any more complex than what the Word of God does. The call to follow Jesus is to believe in Him. Just say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe you are the Savior of the world. I believe that your Word is completely true. I believe you are life and peace, and I believe that the promises that you even made to Abraham are just as true to me, and you made them to your son, and you, your son extends them to us, and I believe in you. And when you believe, you won't have to go down this foolish road any longer. But remember, there'll be a place to open the Word of God again and say, God, what are you saying? And God, in so many ways, will speak, you're on the right road in me. Don't get off. Don't change. Don't alter it. 
stay with me and it will be okay everywhere you go and whatever you do. And I want to invite everyone that is here, whether you have never believed or believe, but you've been struggling or you simply say, just another sermon, whatever, that you would pray with me that we each could be strengthened and stand strong in the faith of Jesus in these last times. And it will be okay. God will build his church. He will secure his church. He will build our families. He will lead us where we, he wants us to go. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing and abundant grace. Thank you, Lord, that you give us examples like this in the Word, and all of a sudden you reach out and show us Abraham. You show us your son. You show us ourselves with you within us. And Father, I just pray that you will take each one and everyone and cause us to lock so clearly on faith in you and your promises and knowing your word is true that we just stand with you, Jesus, in these last days declaring you are the Savior and Lord of the world and this church has a message that says you are King of Kings, you are Lord of Lords, you are on the throne and because of this we take you at your word. You promise us, Lord, you're coming again. And I pray, Lord, maybe even today you would choose by your own good favor to enter the heart of one of the ones that's here and whisper, just, just believe, just believe. And you can be made whole. You can be, your sight can be restored. Your family can be rebuilt. Your sins will be forgiven. The cleansing of sin will feel so good. And the freshness of your presence, Lord, will just be there in every way. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.